You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. The business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. Welcome to the Business of Cannabis. I am David Sky, your host and chief uh, bottle washer on the show. Why this show? Well, here's our mission and here's why you need to listen each week to the Business of Cannabis on the Hayes Radio Network. If you're at all uh, connected with the industry uh, that has grown up around this unique plant. We promise to bring you the most relevant, groundbreaking, innovative business stories from the cannabis front lines the latest in cannabis brands, services, innovations in retail, software, distribution, marketing. To put it bluntly, a hard look at the hard realities of making money in the cannabis industry. So enough dramatics, I hear you cry, but sorry, this show is full of drama in the form of dramatic cannabis stories. And our first epic adventure comes from California, from Everett Smith, a presidential cannabis to be specific. Uh, Everett played a little hoop over in Europe and when his uh, basketball days were over, he came back to Canada and with a friend started a cannabis uh, producer that now boasts some of the best known brands in California. Now they've started a new venture as well, a cannabis lounge in partnership with an LA restaurant. So super innovative uh, company. I'm looking forward to hearing how they got started and how they've gotten to this level of success. More drama, is that what you want? Well, fine, how about Louis Antonakis of uh, Olympia Cannabis, who's building a cannabis chain but focused on small towns in Ontario, Canada. He has six locations, six dispensaries, and he plans to reach 20 in less than 12 months. And Louis has been on the show before, so we're checking in on how the plan's going, and it sounds like the plan's on track. Uh, I'll also try and wrestle a few secrets out of him uh, and see how he's been able to grow his chain without uh, going to the public markets, for instance. Uh, This is the 40th show of The Business of Cannabis, and it seems only fitting to mark the occasion with a dramatic show. So sit on the edge of your seat as we talk to Everett Smith, co-owner of Presidential Cannabis, and Louis Antonakis, owner of Olympia Cannabis, uh, two people working in the cannabis trenches, here on The Business of Cannabis. And welcome back to the business of cannabis. Um, super excited to talk to our next guest, uh, co-founder and president of Presidential Cannabis Company, Everett Smith, who comes uh, from us uh, originally from the basketball court, a former professional player who spent uh, some time playing in Germany. Uh, but then with his partner, uh, John Zapp, uh, he turned his mind to the cannabis space and in 2013 launched Presidential on the medicinal side in Los Angeles, expanded into the rec market 2018, and uh, since its inception has grown to be one of the largest infused flower cannabis companies 
with the third largest pre-roll brand in California, and most notably uh, the number one ranked infused moon rock blunt, which is pretty cool. Uh, presidential products can be found in over 400 retail stores across California, so it's impressive. Um, but they aren't stop stopping there. And in 2022, Presidential announced the opening of the Presidential Suite in partnership with Esco, uh, a New York style uh, pizzeria, an Italian kitchen uh, uh, restaurant in Hollywood. Uh, the suite is a speakeasy style lounge with entry through a subway car. So uh, what is that all about? So we are gonna be asking him, uh, trust me. Um, Everett, welcome to the show. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So uh, before we get into the subway car, which I'm going to, we're going to get into, uh, just tell me a bit, because it's interesting to me, transitioning from a basketball uh, career to cannabis entrepreneur, like how'd that happen? And, and, and also, do you, do you feel like that your athletic background kind of helped your business career? Yeah, for sure. Um, so my transition actually happened kind of accidentally um, after playing basketball. Um, I had a job at the Las Vegas Convention Center. My mom ran the convention center for like 25 plus years and uh, she got me a job up there. And while I was there waiting for some clients, I met someone. He started talking to me about cannabis, his cannabis company he was starting in California. And, um, you know, it just sounded very interesting. I hated what I was doing. I had some money for playing ball. It seemed like a good opportunity. So I, I jumped on it. And uh, I can honestly say it's the best decision I ever made in my life, uh, for sure. And to answer your question about the athleticism, absolutely. Um, I'm a quote guy, I love quotes, but so Kobe Bryant said, dedication is what makes dreams come true. So just dedicating, you know, going from basketball and dedicating myself to that craft, takes my right. professional dreams to taking that same energy here. Uh, and the discipline the and the focus, right. Absolutely, and then also having a, somebody to hold me accountable, my partner, John Zapp, kind of like a coach, you know, we're, we're a very odd couple, you know, he's uh, 30 years my senior. <laughs> Um, white guy from Oklahoma, you know, I'm 30 okay. years old, black guy from, from Las Vegas. So we're just make your shots, <laughs> man. Make your shots. Right. <laughs> so he's taught me a lot about business, held me accountable. Um, you know, I went out and did a lot of legwork. So it's just been a, um, it's been a good team, but definitely dedicating myself to the craft, showing up every day, listening to the right people. Those are things that you can take from being an athlete into the business world for sure. So it's been an impressive story in less than 10 years to have that kind of presence in an incredibly uh, it, a very difficult market. Uh, one from crowding to regulation uh, to cost the roller coaster that has been California cannabis. What, what factors do you contribute to your growth? Like what did you do well? What did you maybe not do so well? Um, not do so well, I would say. <laughs> Let's start with that. Yeah, I would say pretty much everything. Okay, yeah. Um, man, I, I didn't have, you know, like I said, uh, I didn't have any business really uh, experience. I played basketball. You know, I was my own agent, so I negotiated my own contracts in Europe. Um, okay. So I had a little bit. But then partnering with John, he he kind of, you know, steered the, the ship in terms of business fundamentals, what we need to do um, in terms of that. But what I think we did well and early is packaging and, and, and taking uh, – how the product looks aesthetically and, and spending time and money on that. Um, understanding that our products are, you know, people like to smoke blunts. Most people that like blunts, they're used to buying their, their blunts in a, in a package that looks a certain way. So we kind of just took that package right. and made it look, you know, presidential, if you will. And um, I think that's been a big contributor, just our consistency in our products. Um, we've 
we really taking time to um, source high quality products and make a high quality moon rock. A lot of um, moon rocks get bad names because of the materials. You know, they just throw a bunch of junk together because sure, the see. right, the quality all over the map and Absolutely. lack of consistency. So, yep. So we want to hone in on that consistency. So you know, when you get a presidential, you're getting good, organically grown flower, high quality distillate, high quality keep, and we're putting them together scientifically in a way that you um, is consistent every time. And um, just beating the ground. So, you know, a lot of these companies, cannabis companies are uh, worried about having the coolest brand. They want to spend all this money on marketing. When, when they were um, spending their money on marketing, we were spending our money on knocking knocking on doors, building relationships, um, figuring out what the what the cannabis community wants in products and, and uh, just listening to people. So I think we just did a better job of getting in the grind of it and, and not worrying about the sexy stuff, the marketing, but just knocking on doors and building those relationships. And I think that's uh carry over from the medical market to the recreational market. When you started, did you have a real sense of who your customer was or were you focusing more on let's build a great product and we should be able to create a market? Yeah. So a hundred percent on the product, you know, we okay. knew looking at it um, for one, when people saw our products, our moon rock, cause they look different. It kind of blew their mind. Right. Hmm. So then, Slapping a, a tagline on as the world's strongest because at that time um, there wasn't really any testing, but we knew when you take good quality cannabis and you put tea, uh, distillate, which is pure THC, on there, and then keep, which is pure THC, on there, you're getting mm -hmm. a really strong product. So slapping that tagline on there and just catching people's attention, world's strongest, like, oh, really? You know, let me try this. I don't believe that. Let me try this. Right. So, <laughs> you know, it's a great right tagline. It really is. Um, what made you go in that direction initially? And um, is that where you're gonna to continue to go? Is, how, how do you maintain that? And I don't wanna to string too many questions together. So why don't we start with that? Like, what, made you, what made you do that initially? So honestly, the, um, that's just the, so when I met the guy that was talking about starting the cannabis in California, these were the products kind of that he, that he had. He, was, he had a, a friend, that had this infusion process to, to uh, infuse cannabis. So we started a brand presidential with them making the product for us. Um, and then getting into the marketplace, we saw that there wasn't any other products like this and people really liked how strong it was. So we continued with it. And then along the lines, we started making it ourselves because we wanted to make it improve it that our, the person white labeling, he wasn't willing to do. We saw mm. that we could make the product a little better, a little stronger, a little, you know, use better quality raw goods. Um, so we did that. And I think, you know, people just, they caught on to it. We, we, we had a, a cult following, if you will. And then we just built on it from there. We just, you know, at first it was a product and then we built a brand around that product. Um, and then now that we actually have data from the retail locations, we know that the number one choice when a consumer comes into a dispensary is they buy cannabis by THC percentage. Um, either the highest percentage or percentage per dollar, you know? So, uh, and that's just a trend that we can't take credit for, but we noticed it and we put fire, we put gas on our fire, uh, if you right. will, in terms yeah. of running up the TAC levels and really pushing that we are the world's strongest because of the consumer behavior that we saw from the data from Weed Maps, from LeafLink, BDSA, Headset, cool. et cetera. So, Tell me a bit about who your customer is. Is there a demographic? Is there a, a profile that you could take? Yeah, we're seeing through? from the data that we get from our uh, retailers that, you know, 25 to 50, um, and it's a pretty good split. Um, 
about 55, 45 male to women. Um, huh, that's interesting. Because yeah, supposedly women don't want to get high, and, but clearly that's not true. <laughs> that, that is not true. I mean, it's very shocking, like almost 50 50 you know, in, in terms of our products. It's actually not shocking. It's it's just intuitive, but it's funny how we all these prejudices seem to never go away. Very true. You're right. In the market. Not, but, but so okay, so keep going. Yeah. So so it's a quite yeah, a big so, um, mix too. Twenty five to fifty is a fairly broad. Yeah. So we're looking at the millennials. We're looking at the um, you know, Gen X, and and just you know, they seem to really have caught on to our product. Um, I think the bright colors of our packaging brings in all different types of people, and then um. Like I said, we've also collabed, um, did some collaboration products with some top growers in California. So we're taking some of their flour that people love and they have their own fall, and then we're enhancing it and making it moon rocks. So um, that right. as well, that has been um, a big, big hit for us um, in terms of bringing other people to our brand in, in terms of demographics that wouldn't normally try an infused product. Right. Um, but yeah, definitely... Uh, Millennials, the 25, the 40s, kind of our core, but even after that, 40 to 50, we're seeing a very high number of uh, sales. So um, let's jump then to your product line. Why don't you just take us through what presidential offers? Because it's not just Moon Rock. It's, yeah. So um, what, what I tell yeah. people is we are a Moon Rock company. That's what we that's what we specialize in. We take high quality flour. My partner John, he has a, a proprietary infusion process. Um, that, that he's created and, and we we make moon rocks first and then we take those moon rocks and we put them in pre-rolls and we put them in blunts. Um, mm. Oh, and, I see. And, yep, and that's been, um, it's been working for us. Like we have the number one selling blunt in California, whether it's infused or non-infused, we have the number one selling blunt. We have the number one selling moon rocks in California. And then as a brand, we're, the, we're number four roughly in uh, as an infused cannabis brand in California. So. It's been a it's been a great run and it's been shocking. I never thought we would uh when we started we'd be this big. I hoped, but you know. Well, you know, it's fine. I know, and 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 after all these years, which is you know less than ten, but still, and then you're you're it's just you're still starting on some level. <laughs> it's always the way business is. It's like when when do I get to like sit back? It's like I don't know, never. I don't, yeah, um, never know. And, and the new <laughs> products coming out. We're, we're partnering with new farms. Um, so it's, it's smart, exciting yeah. time to be in the cannabis industry. Yeah, I am talking to Everett Smith, um, co-founder and president of Presidential, um, which is uh, one of the leading uh, brands uh, of uh, Moon Rock, uh, pre-rolls blunts in California, which is cool. So um, which brand, what do you see growing over the next few? Where, where are you seeing, where are you guys focusing your attention? Is it on the pre-rolls? Blunt, new product, um, focusing on the Moon Rock uh, uh, Blunt. Is, you know, what, where do you see that, in, uh, you know, yeah, putting so, so in your, us, your uh, crystal ball there? Yeah, so for us, just staying dialed in on what we do. Um, I read this book a while ago, uh, Red Ocean, Blue Ocean, basically talking about, about business strategy, finding your niche and dominating that niche. So I think we found our niche, and I think we um, – I wouldn't say we dominate, but we are one of the biggest players in our in our niche. Okay. So just refining that, um, coming out with new flavors, coming out with different size packaging, you know, packages. So um, our next product is our minis. We found in terms of pre-rolls that we're the fourth, we're the fourth selling pre-roll, right? So, but the, the ones ahead of us are all minis, packs of minis. Hmm. So 
Just looking at that data coming in, you know, that's what the consumer that's, wants. I've so. noticed that too in the dispensary because why not? Of course, you right. don't always want, yeah, and then to throw it, throw away uh, half a right, yeah, exactly. So um, coming Our out lifestyle. with lifestyle, we're partnering with the company Row. They're in a they're a multi-state operator in five to seven states. Um, one of the bigger vape brands in California. So. We're going to launch a sativa Moonrock Blunt, um, the Wowie strain with them. We're very excited. Um, looking cool. forward to doing that. Yeah. And then um, in terms of just what we're really focused on outside of just, um, you know, our core products is expansion east. Um, we're getting ready to expand into Nevada. We're on the final leg of our negotiations there. Um, we're in negotiations in Oklahoma, Michigan. Um, so we're, we're, uh, Plotting our, you're plotting your uh, world dom your <laughs> domination. Yeah. Our, yeah. Yes, now, uh, I want to talk about the lounge in a sec, obviously. But um, the uh, how how does how, take us through that because you have to get partners. You have to take your quality control and your processes from California and move it to another state. Take me through a bit of what that was like. Yeah, so it's been difficult, man. We've been trying to, we've been working for two years right now to expand out of California. We've had a bunch of deals fall through. So it's really finding the right partner, someone you, you feel like you can trust, someone that mm -hmm. you feel like uh, has your same work ethic and quality of work and um, putting a deal together that's beneficial for both people. Um, you know, we like to make sure that we control our manufacturing because we have certain proprietary uh, infusion processes. Sure. And then we like to partner with, with uh, like in Nevada, we're partnering with the group to, you know, to do our sales and manufacturing, to do our sales and distribution and, you know, to work out of our facility, but we do our manufacturing. So I know there's a multitude wow. of ways you can do So you've things. added some moving parts, exactly. Yeah. Yep. You know, so, the, you know, uh, I've heard a bunch of horror stories of, you know, uh, friends of mine that have cannabis companies that are going east and they're just doing licensing deals and they're leaving um, all their IP to these people and it's getting stolen. They're getting locked out of their facility. The quality isn't good. So mm -hmm. when we started strategizing for our plan to go, we we decided that we needed to, no matter what, we needed to um, keep a chokehold on our manufacturing process at first until gotcha. we take the toes cooking, go down the road, six, eight, 12 months, make sure everything's <laughs> good. And then, you know, we can come up with a, a better process of instead of sending our guys across the country to do the manufacturing. That's part of the the, the oddness of this industry. But every industry has unique qualities, but certainly this bizarre um, regulatory environment that makes it almost impossible to go or very hard to go state. Well, you can't yeah. you can't go across the U.S. I mean, uh, the reality is California could probably supply the entire country with its cannabis. You, oh, you know, it, it's yeah. this crazy environment. So now we're growing cannabis where maybe it shouldn't be grown, but then there's a benefit to that, too. Um, I mean, we have multiple companies in just, just in California alone that do over a hundred million dollars in a year. You know what I mean? So right. I think that we, you know, uh, hopefully in the near future, we'll be able to have facilities where we can put our products on trucks and send them across the country like any other product. But right. like the regulatory. Why um, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Guidelines is just really tough, but it's doable. You know, uh, only the strong yeah. survive. Is what they yeah. Say. There's something to that. We, well, we, yeah. uh, we interviewed someone who's opening up a 5 million square foot, uh, you know, a greenhouse in California, 5 million square feet. Yikes, uh, that's yeah. Yeah. It is crazy now, but it isn't crazy if things change. So I guess that was the perspective. Long-term thinking, which is, uh, which is I'm hearing from you guys too. Like at some point you gotta, 
you got to start expanding and doing the hard work. Yeah, and you got to play the long game in the cannabis industry. A lot of people think the cannabis industry is a get-rich-quick scheme. You're going to get in it, but it's brutal. And if you don't have a long game uh, in your mind, it, it can get... Right. Uh, so let's, let's jump to uh, the, 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 the lounge, which, which is cool. Um, and, and a very undis sort of a new thing. And, and, and I think uh, governments are very um, nervous about it on some level. What led you to this idea of, of partnering with this restaurant? And tell us a bit about that lounge and tell me about the subway car. Yeah, so um, <laughs> honestly, uh, again, uh, just chance uh, got us into this uh, relationship over at, at the restaurant. Um, so you just sit back and wait for things to, lucky right. things to happen. <laughs> Man, <I'm, laughs> you don't I'm do anything. Right or I'm just you know? sitting here going, oh, okay, I'll do that. Just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, networking. Okay. Uh, getting the opportunity and jumping on it, you know, somebody brought it to us. We hopped on it. We thought it'd be a good place to um, to to do some branding. It's not a, a, a consumption lounge. You cannot purchase cannabis there. Um, right. It's not what this is. But what we try to do is, so we have a, a restaurant in the front. It's called Esco's Pizza, authentic New York style pizza in Italian kitchen. We have a chef that came in from New York. His name is Esteban. We call him Esco. That's why we named it Esco's Pizza. Oh, gotcha. He's amazing. Um, We've been getting great reviews, only five-star reviews on the pizza, so it's been a beautiful thing. Um, but it's New York-inspired. So we have a New York bodega on one side. It's a private dining room, but the, out, the facade of it looks like a New York bodega. The other side is a New York City subway train. Um, you can go in there, you can eat, take pictures. Um, but the cool thing about it is we have, uh, if you are in the know, we had a secret door that opens in the train, and you can walk through the walk through the train, walk through our kitchen, and into the back is the presidential suite, which is the outdoor um, lounge, Amazing. sports bar. Cool. Um, just Super just cool. Place, yeah, where we can have private events for the cannabis space, um, private events for, um, you know, the Grammys, the Oscars, you know, all the different things that go on in L.A. Um, you can rent the space out. It's a it's a safe place to consume. Like I said, you cannot buy any cannabis. I'm sure that's very clear. Um, right. Yeah. Well, one day, consume, but not yeah, yet. <laughs> private events. Um, you can consume in the back. You know. Then when you're hungry, walk up to the front, get some pizza, right. watch a game, hang out with yeah. your friends. So it, we just thought it would be a cool place to, um, you know, showcase our brand and uh, just have a cool place that people can come together and uh, consume and build and you know and collab and. We just thought it'd be a cool place for the industry. And once a month, we're throwing an industry night party for the cannabis, just to celebrate the cannabis industry, have everybody come by. It's, you know, it's usually a free event, open bar. We usually provide presidential products. So it's, it's, uh, it's been very cool. We've been open for about six weeks. Um, and uh, I think Could there be, be more? Could there be more ESCOs? Uh, or is that a plan? Or is it, this was sort of a, let's just do this. Let's create a cool thing. And yeah, we, we we thought like you know let's just create a cool thing in LA with our brand. Nobody okay. else is doing it. Um, but honestly, people love it. Consumption lounges are on the rise, so you know maybe we can take this thing across the country. Yeah, you know, we'll just sit back and wait for someone to come to you, and you'll right. go sure. <laughs> we'll just wait for the opportunity to come. <laughs> we'll have to, and we have to knock it on the door. Um, <laughs> well, there's a lot to that because I'll give you credit. Yeah, a lot opportunity knocks all the time, but not everyone opens the door. So to your credit. Um, it's an impressive story uh, it's, uh, and, and certainly an innovative company. Uh, I've enjoyed talking to Everett Smith, of uh, co-founder and president of 
Presidential Cannabis, uh, which is a super interesting company. I in, invite you, uh, encourage you to go to ESCO's. Next time I'm in LA, I certainly will. And check that out and um, check out their uh, extensive line of infused uh, cannabis Moonrock products pretty well. It sounds like anywhere in California, uh, you will stumble across uh, Presidential yeah. Moonrock. Um, Everett, thank you very much. It's a it's a super uh, interesting story, and we'll have to reach out and 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 try to keep up with you guys. You know, I appreciate you giving us the platform to tell our story. So thank you. And we will be back with more of the business of cannabis. Business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers, cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services. Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. Welcome back to the business of cannabis. And I would like to welcome back uh, a guest uh, uh, that we've had on the show before. I love the second interview because uh, you, you have perspective. You can judge the answers from the first interview with a bit of reality, uh, whether that's cold reality or, or a nice reality. Um, so it's easy to talk success expansion, I think, to do it. So I have to give uh, Louis Antonakis of Olympia Cannabis his due. He, uh, he has an interesting background, first of all, restaurateur. A real estate developer, nightclub owner. He was even the mayor of a small town called Carlton Place, which is on, in Ontario, Canada. Uh, Louis started in the cannabis business with one location, uh, which is fairly typical. That's when we spoke to him. Um, less typical is how quickly he opened his second. And uh, it spoke with Louis literally the day before that second location was open. Uh, and in fact, it was being inspected minutes before our interview. But well, I assume the inspection went well because expansion has continued. If not at breakneck speed, pretty close. He's about to open a location number five, literally in a week or two. Um, number six is due to open in a couple of months. Can seven, eight, nine be far behind? Let's find out and welcome Louis Antonakis of Olympia Cannabis to the show. Louis, welcome. Dave, it's a pleasure to talk to you again. Uh, thanks for taking me down memory lane. Uh, yeah. the, one, the, one, the, <laughs> the one part of your, your intro was that when we did that interview, I was in a, a U-Haul vehicle parked in front of uh, our second store and, and yes we did open and it's doing well it, well it's um i know in uh in entrepreneur world six months is like six years so i bet it probably does feel like another lifetime ago um let's talk about that journey a bit what has if you look back what has been the biggest challenge or challenges from when you opened the first store which is a tremendous amount of work, um, but it's sort of like that's when the work starts, you know, unfortunately. Uh, what has been the biggest challenge in, in getting to like location five now and soon yeah. six? You know, Dave, you told me that the segment might be around 15 to 20 minutes. So oh, you need 20 hours, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you know, I think, I think uh, two things stand out to me now that I'm just sitting down quietly and chatting with you and, and for your listeners. Um, I think the, the, the number one challenge um, is finance, access to capital and being able to, um, to manage uh, smart growth with uh, these build outs. And these stores, depending on the work required, 
you know, need, need a significant investment, uh, not only from the perspective of the product that you bring in for opening day, but the leasehold improvements, securing the lease, prepayment of your insurance, all of these things must be done in advance of opening. So there's a tremendous outlay of uh, capital required before you see uh, your first dollar entering your store. Right. So, and I mean, you know, the finance is a broader issue. Uh, I think we chatted uh, during your last interview that there are only, uh, you know, a couple of institutions in Canada that will uh, even allow you to open an account, a business account with cannabis. The other chartered banks uh, will not do it. It's just impossible to get through that window. So we're limited in, in um, who we can go to for capital. And then we're limited um, in terms of our, our capability where you know, we, we self-finance. We don't have venture capitalists behind us. We don't have the big banks behind us. We're doing it all on our own. And so that's, that's challenge number one. And you know, we, we've got a fairly tight, a tight um, corridor here where we're, we're rolling out these stores. So uh, we're not more than two hours away from one store to another, but time management, uh, I, it's an old cliche. Mm, yeah. But time is money. Yeah. It's, it's extremely difficult getting to these stores, you know, whether it's for training, um, whether it's, uh, um, you know, anything to do with the store requires a trip in your vehicle, which isn't today. I was, for instance, I was up at six o'clock in the morning and I went to, uh, one of our stores in Chesterville, it took me an hour and 20 minutes to get there, an hour and 20 minutes to get back. That's my entire morning gone just on the road. Thankfully we've right. got phones, but uh, time yeah. management and finance, the two big ones. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, you know, it's funny, like you, the, you, cannabis has unique qualities, obviously. But on some level, it's just a business. And, and probably if I talked to a thousand different business owners, small business owners, that's what they'd say. You know, cash flow, money, finance, and time. Maybe no, the, And maybe the third one is people. We'll talk about that in a second. But um, uh, so, you know, when we spoke, you were committed to this, uh, I'll call it a small town strategy of, of po- uh, picking certain places in Ontario, Canada, uh, which is Canada's most populous um, province of 13, 15 million people. Um, are you still committed to that? Are you varying it at all? Or, or are you going to continue along that line? No, we very much, very much are committed to it. In fact, um, right now, I wouldn't even consider going to a, a large market uh, um, venue, uh, city, um, we, our initial strategy when we first started was to go where there were no cannabis stores. So first in, which gave us a very unique advantage. Some might say some disadvantages as well, because you're sure. dealing with, a, a, you know, a, a, a population that maybe isn't quite the, the scope of the bigger cities, but our advantage was a, we were first in and, and maybe more importantly, we were able to to develop the time that's required to build relationships and to truly get to know, um, you know, not just our customers, Dave, but just develop all of those relationships that are key in having a successful business. So that's, you know, having the time, picking your staff, always they're local, right? You, you might even know the people that you're hiring, right. your customers, you're going to know them. 
through other uh, associations. So it's it's not a customer that you're going to see once. They're going to come in again and again and again. And some of them are your friends. Some of them are, you know, fellow service providers. Uh, some of them are, you know, tourists. Of course, people come to our communities, but they do remember that um, that small town feel and that uh, good old fashioned customer service where you know you're going to remember the customer you're you're not you're not going to forget them as easily as you might in a big city where you're getting five six seven hundred people coming through your doors it's just not the same so and and probably i think customers have a different mentality in a big city yeah they're coming in to get product and they, they might not be coming back again it's not and it's not due to your service it's just they're they're not coming back into that area of your neighborhood again right so it's not the same so it's, let's talk about that customer oh, based on this experience. Who 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 have who have you learned? What have you learned about them? Is there a target customer? Is there a customer you need to cultivate? Is it quite varied? It's very varied, as is the demographics. Um, I mean, there are some people that are coming in for the first time, um, and you're still just- getting a lot of first, like in a, an established store. Let's say store one, two, three. Are you still getting a lot of like, well, I finally came in? Uh, Very much so. Very much so. A lot of um, our customers are are exploring cannabis um, for medicinal reasons. Now, we are obviously a recreational facility. We don't give medical advice, but people are coming in to learn about the product. And they're coming in to learn about it for various reasons, um, health reasons. Uh, Many of our clients, you know, have trouble sleeping. So they're, they're experimenting with cannabis. Um, to help them with that um so you know and of course we've got we've got the customer that's coming in and they know exactly what they want and they know exactly what they wanted and in fact they are uh, just as informed if not more so than us we get a lot of our knowledge from from our customers feedback yeah i was gonna ask like uh, do you find a lot of them are sort of from the illicit market experimenting into the legal market a bit Absolutely. A lot Absolutely. of that too, eh? It's almost everyone. I don't know who yeah. you've left out. <laughs> yeah, three. I mean, three short years ago, uh, all cannabis was illicit. Um, sure. So uh, everyone who was a cannabis user is coming from that market. And, and, and you know, it's, the cannabis customer and the cannabis world is a unique one. People are very open and frank and willing to share their experiences. So, yes, we have people coming in from the illicit market. And, you know, they say, you know what, it's just easier. It's easier to come in here. I can, I can talk about it openly. I can do my research. You can help me. Uh, the product is tested. It's uh, advertised. So uh, the illicit, that's an interesting demographic who are coming into our store and turning their back on, on the old habits and the old ways. They're, right. they're moving into a new, new, new era. We are talking to Louis Antonakis of Olympia Cannabis, who has is, is growing a chain of a cannabis dispensaries in a small town, Ontario, Canada. Um, so now that you've had a, this time between the first store to where you are now, and then expanding in the future, has your perspective changed in terms of how you do inventory, how you do marketing, how you do store design, training? Yeah, uh, all of the above. It's, all uh, of the like, so, so, I mean, maybe that's too big of a question. What about ordering and product and product choice? What have you learned? And what do you do differently now? Yeah, I mean, it was certainly a lot easier when um, 
we were receiving all of the product from at one location and it was all leaving the same location. Uh, now that we've got uh, four stores and the fifth one next week, we've had to spend quite a bit of time on ensuring that uh, A, we have uh, uh, the variety that customers are looking for um, within each store. And of course, that's a function of how much you can afford to bring in. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a delicate balance. Okay. Okay. Um, fortunately, in Ontario, we are allowed to transfer product from one store to the other. And because we're still a small operation, um, we, can, we can very quickly adapt. Uh, for instance, this morning, I went to our, sec our, our third location to bring product here to Carlton Place. So we're able to share product as needed, where needed. So, um, you, you know, transport it yourself or is it a, you have to be licensed. You have to be licensed. Oh, okay. So yes, of course, as an owner, I am licensed, but, um, like but, in your uh, car, you can put it in a box and take it to another store. Yeah. It's got to okay. be well-documented, but absolutely. Oh, okay. uh, you don't have like, it doesn't have to be an armored car or anything crazy. No, it's like grocery store shopping. Dave, you go to the okay. store and, you, the milk <laughs> and, you, and you bring it home. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, to, when you're transporting it between different stores. I just yeah, wondered you, if there were certain rules about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, funding, funding the stores on the initial order is, uh, is, is, is tricky. Uh, cause we, what we're finding is that one community is far different than another. Really? I mean, you might That's have, interesting. yeah, you might have a community where it's very, very heavy on the CBD and they, they, they use it, they explore it and they inquire about it. And you might go to another community where it's very high in concentrates. Concentrates might be their uh, thing. Or a touristy town where people are, you know, we've got Westport opening up, a village of Westport. A lot of boating. The Rito system is right there. We think that it's going to be a very heavy on, on drinks. Just right. because that's in keeping with the summer summer feel right. on the water, on your boat. Huh. So it's it's always a challenge and we're always adjusting our inventory. But uh, absolutely something that, that we're on top of every day. Have you found a product surprising you all of a sudden? Concentrates, it's drinks, it's edibles. Is there any trends that have that you're monitoring and noticing? Yeah, well, what I'm noticing is that the um, the OCS, which is the um, the group that supplies the product, ultimately, uh, they're the, the market is constantly adding new products. The OCS, by the way, is the Ontario Cannabis Store. All cannabis stores in Ontario buy from this uh, quasi-government uh, agency. So it's like a warehouse for all cannabis. But they That's don't exactly. sell the cannabis per se. They're sort of the middleman. From what I exactly. Exactly. Yeah. For our listeners who don't live here. <laughs> so they, um, what was the question, Dave? I, you, 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 the, the question was, are there new kind of, uh, you've noticed some trends uh, because you're yeah. in the unique position of, you're saying every small town is different, which is interesting in and of itself. Uh, but of course, markets have variabilities as pointed out, but are there certain trends you're jumping on and you're noticing oh, yeah. now that you're opening up a new store? It's wow, as compared to the first store, I've had to bring in a lot more X or Y. Yeah, yeah. The trends, the, I mean, each each one is different, as I said, but I, I think the overall trend right now that's happening is that our suppliers are coming in with all kinds of new product. It's new packaging, new names, new strains. Um, the, the drink market has exploded. There's, there's oh, got to be, there's gotta be 50 different varieties out there of, of different drinks. 
And you like to carry all of these items, but you know, sometimes it's just not possible depending on the type of store you've got and what your capacity is. So a lot of new products coming out. We think there'll be 10,000 products to choose from in the next five years, which is, you know. And then you have to pick and choose and and have a boutique offering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we think maybe that's where the industry is going to head. There's a lot of stores in Ontario. I think some are going to start to focus on being, you know, CBD centric or uh, more flour at this store. Or maybe you've got more, um, you know, more of the drinks on the touristy side where these stores are are located, where there's people coming in and out of communities. So, I mean, time will tell as it matures and develops. But I think we're well positioned to uh, to adjust and to adapt with the changing market needs. Right. How do you um? How do you sort? Where like where's your next store, and how did you pick it? Like, what kind of what are the factors that go like this is the location? Um. This is the timing. What was your thought process going through that? Right. Well, first we try to find a, a community that has no uh, store. And uh, is that hard to do anymore? Or is that still getting, hard? It's, it's getting harder, I bet. <laughs> yeah, it's getting a lot harder now. So we are we are now going into communities where there are uh, some cannabis stores. But I think our number one uh, criteria for going into community is uh, Main Street, downtown core. Um, uh, unique characteristics like heritage, heritage type. Uh, oh, like a cool uh, property then, something unique yeah. about the right, yeah. not a strip mall, right? Right, and uh, maybe a story and a way in which that we can kind of leave the um, brand and feel of the of the existing building that we're going into, and modifying it enough whereby we can we can we can advance our brand, but not take away too much from from the memories and the history that exist within that structure. Cool. So, and I would point to the first store that was my mom and dad's restaurant back in the sixties. So oh, we wow. tried to keep as much of the restaurant feel within the premises uh, as we, as so we keep, go. The, keep the fryer going. You got, you got some fries. Uh, with yeah. With <laughs> yeah. And now we, that's actually we, a good idea, by the way, I just had it, but I'd come yeah. to that dispensary. I get a little bucket of fries done. Rice and gravy, Dave. That's, yeah, that's what, that was the that was the, Those the proven ones. I bet. Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, we don't we don't have a lot of uh, time left. Um, let me ask. Um, we call we're going to call you back in uh, another nine months. I think it's been eight or nine months since we talked to you. Where do you want Olympia Cannabis to be if you could, you know, snap your fingers and make it happen in a realistic way? Yeah. You know, well, I'd like it to be uh, in a dream world. Yeah, I'd like each of our stores to be doing well, um, our staff to be um, uh, excelling and happy and advancing. Um, I'd like so to see that would be it. a focus of what you. So what you're saying to me is, for the next nine months, I'm focusing on that as much as another store. Would... Yeah, I think I think the next nine months we're going to tighten up our marketing, our branding, our um, development of staff, our training, our education. Uh, you know, we were we were pretty aggressive on the rollout on building more stores. We're going to slow it down a little bit, I think, over the summer, take a break, and uh, just just kind of you know get all these stores kind of tied in together so that they're all on the same footing and they've matured. Uh, right. But in nine months, I I'd, I'd like to see us being close to twenty stores. That's the that's wow. the plan right now. So that would be a doubling of almost well more if you're at six now. 
you yeah. open, you want to you open three times as many in 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 nine months. Yeah, if things if things go wow. according to plan, yeah, I, I I mean it's a tall order right now, Dave, just because there's so much saturation going on in Ontario. Yeah, but um, you know, ideally that's where we'd like to be. Um, right. If we so fall still short see a lot of, that, of opportunity. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're doing, we're doing well. And uh, as long as uh, you take care of your customer and you give them the uh, product in a, in a competitive um, a manner and with uh, you know, good, good service, uh, I think any business can flourish in this economy. Well, we, well, thank you for this. We have uh, had the pleasure of talking to Louis Antonakis of Olympia Cannabis and uh, check them out at olympiacannabis.ca. Um, Olympia, like the Olympics, Olympia, O-L-Y-M-P-I-A, olympiacannabis.ca. Uh, and definitely if you find yourself um, in Ontario or small town Ontario, you will, may well uh, uh, come across Olympia Cannabis. Check it out. It sounds, uh, sounds like a great offering. Uh, uh, Louis, thanks uh, very much for your time. I enjoyed uh, talking to you guys. Thank you, Dave, and uh, wishing you all the best. We'll see you in nine months. Yeah, we're, no, we're definitely going to call because now you've, you've dropped this. The gauntlet is down, 20 stores. We'll, we'll see. And we'll, be back, uh, we'll be back with more of the business of cannabis. The business of cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. Welcome back to the business of cannabis. We've uh, well, I've enjoyed uh, talking to Everett Smith, Presidential Cannabis, and Louis Antonakis of Olympic Cannabis. Um, even the names sound familiar on some level, uh, and I thought they had a lot of similarities, and that was what struck me as I spoke to them. One is the hard work and um, the every day. Maybe some people had this idea that you know you're selling drugs, so how can you not just make money? Uh, it, it, how hard can it be? It sounds like it it puts boils down to work, like any industry, or any business. But more, it struck me also is a lot of similarities. They each have a strategy, a very specific strategy. <clears throat> Whether that strategy is going to be successful or not will be fun to follow, um, which is why we have Louis back on the show. Uh, because he, when we spoke to him, well, almost six months ago, uh, he was just about to open his second location. Now, uh, up to soon, we'll have six dispensaries. So presidential, you know, we have the strongest cannabis. And then Louis, uh, Olympia, uh, uh, saying we will be in small towns. We will create, that's our brand. The small town dispensary. Having a brand, having a position is obviously the gold standard in, in, in marketing. There's nothing better than the, cons the customer thinks of you in the way you want them to. But it's, it's so hard to do. Uh, so Coca-Cola has a very valuable brand. 
And uh, a corner store might not have any brand at all, despite what they think. Which is, which is, which is better, which is more um, powerful. It's so interesting. It's a fantastic, uh, Presidential's brand is fantastic because flower, as many guests have said, is still relative king here in this industry and THC levels, the idea of the strongest cannabis is a fantastic position. Is it going to be easy to maintain? That's going to be so interesting to follow. Yeah, there's no doubt it would be the best, a great position for everyone in the market, in, in a market the size of California to think, oh, if you want the strongest cannabis, oh, you need to check uh, presidential out. Beautiful, no brainer. Um, over the years, uh, I can't believe other companies are, 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 I know they're already trying to challenge that idea. It raises also the issue of what is good cannabis um, in other products. Quality is more ambiguous. Uh, what is good wine? It's not the strong, it's not a question of having alcohol levels. It's about taste and age and nuance and what experts tell us is the best or high quality. Or there's luxury goods, a Hermes purse. I don't know why it's worth 8,000 or 10,000 or $20,000, it just is. Or why is one car, an Audi, worth so much more than just the starting entry price of a Ford? I don't know, because do they drive better? Yeah, but do they drive $60,000, $70,000 better? I don't know. What's the difference in the internals? I, I wouldn't know. Maybe some people do, and they value that. But it's certainly not straightforward, and, and in cannabis, it's absolutely not straightforward, but, and especially as, as, uh, as time clicks by and, and people try to differentiate themselves, a lot of companies are trying to focus on taste and aroma and experience, um, mood, depending what you want from the product at any given time. But there is a lot to be said for, we have the highest THC, we have the strongest cannabis. So come to us, if that's what you want. <clears throat> but equally strong, but completely different. But from that sense, it's, they're both strong strategies. Olympia um, cannabis is about a relationship to a community, which isn't easy to do. It's not easy to create a good relationship. I don't know if any of our listeners have relationships. I have imagined you do. It ain't so easy, but... If you have one and it's a good one, it's incredibly powerful and incredibly lucrative. So, so saying, here's who we are, honing that over the years and every day creating good relationships with your customers. So you are that small town dispensary that people like to come to you know, will, is, is, will be so lucrative. So some chain could move in. Okay, your Starbucks. Yeah, maybe, but that small cafe will stay in business because people like it, nothing more than that. And if Louis can continue, and Olympia 
not just Louis himself, the whole organization can continue to create those connections that I can't believe he won't be very successful. And maybe in a few years, a larger chain won't look to that Olympiad cannabis and say, maybe, maybe this is worth investigating a purchase because they have this strong brand. That is something real to buy, not just here's the bottom line, here's the cash. Well, it's, it's uh, but it then it all boils down to work because both of those strategies are great, but you have to do it. And the key is, does the customer think that? It's not so much, this is what we want to do. Do they actually think it? Uh, and so far, it seems like they do. So two, two impressive success stories. Um, and I know we're going to reach back. We're going to give them a little more time to develop uh, to see if those success stories continue and become even stronger. And then where does that take them? Because as they keep becoming more successful, more options open up. That's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it. As always, uh, thank to our sponsor, Cash Tech Currency Products. Uh, go to www.cashtechcurrency.com to find out more about how to handle all that cash at, at the dispensary or at your grow. Um, thank you to our listeners, of course. We appreciate you. That's why we do the show. Uh, until uh, next week, be well. And this is the business of cannabis. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.